hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Mike Ashcraft, who is a pastor and author, so stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Mike Ashcraft, who is a pastor and author. In this conversation, we dig into a whole lot. But before we dig in, I want to encourage you to leave a rating and review, uh, to, to share this podcast or some of the previous podcasts with um, with a friend or two. Or if you're on social media, um, or can send it via email, however you can, can get the word out it is the best way to support the work um, and ministry that we're doing here. Well, today I'm speaking with Mike, and he has a new book out to be concluded, How to Prevent Your Past from Piling Up and Find Hope for Your Future. We dig into the book, how to understand seasons, finality, living in the present, um, knowing when to, to chapters are closed and when the season has come to its, its fulfillment, knowing how, it's, how each season is useful and how God is using that season um, for good. We also dig in a little bit to uh, understanding hope and kind of a breakdown into his book, how he structured the book and how we think about rest and rhythms of rest and Sabbath and work um, and understanding grace. What does it mean to say that grace is sufficient? Because it is. And so we dig in and understand and unpack that a little bit more as well. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Mike. Hey, Tyler, it's great to be with you. Thanks so much uh, for having me and uh, let me be a part of what you guys are doing up in the Northeast and really all over the country. That's right. Well, thank you. Thank you. And it's funny, I was actually um, just going to, we've been talking to some friends of mine and everyone is saying how they want to move down south now. I, I don't know what it is. Just in the past three weeks, I've heard, I've heard Atlanta, I've heard Raleigh, I've heard Dallas. And so everyone... <laughs> Everyone is trying to move. Have you gotten the, the flock yet of Northerners or it's, not yet? It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's a, a lot of people. We try to keep it quiet down here because it was about <laughs> 75, 80 degrees here the other day. We got a little cold snap right now. It's like it's going to be cold this weekend, but it's, uh, okay. it's about 55, 60 today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. Beautiful weather. Lots of people come here for that reason. So yeah, and live by the beach. It's not too bad either. <laughs> right. And, and some good some good real estate prices too. It, it's been crazy up north. So I, I'm, that's what I'm looking at. And it's... Uh... Yeah, that's, that's, that's what happens here. It's expensive for us, but compared to everywhere else, people come here and go, oh, we can get like two houses yeah. in one. So it's got a little expensive here, but it's, yeah. it's still really nice. We right. love living here. We have a lot of people from California and a lot of people from the Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so, you know, we've been talking and I know you've been pastoring now for over two decades, 23 years is what I saw, or, you know, approach. And um, so I, just to kind of get things started and orient some of our listeners here, uh, obviously, you know, I uh, would love to get into your book and I guess maybe what prompted your book. What are some of the biggest needs or priorities that, that you've kind of seen in your church just over the past few years um, that might be, you know, what do the conversations look like in your office, you know, of kind of the current climate or what, what's, what's changed? And maybe that'll kind of yeah. help us, help us segue maybe in a way to our, but, no, that's, a, that's a great question. You know, the, it's interesting. We, we, our journey over the last probably, I mean, it's been a decade or longer. Um, yeah. you know, we were in a church, the church grew really large and 
<clears throat> what happens is all the numbers and the things that people tend to look at and measure, um, we're all going up, but somehow in my brain, I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know if we're like doing what we're supposed to be doing. And, and it's like, and it's, there's nothing wrong. Um, so it's really about this connectivity and mostly about discipleship. Like are people really being formed mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. of their interaction with the church or that, you know, we hope they're learning things. We hope that they're, you know, that it's helpful to their marriages and helpful to their relationships. But, but are we really being formed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, into the image of Christ into what, mm -hmm. what we believe that the Bible is, instructs us um, mm -hmm. and, you know, what Jesus commissioned us to do to make disciples. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what, what it's interesting, we were already having this conversation, the pandemic hits. And of course, all the things mm -hmm. that you tend to depend on to measure the quote effectiveness of a church and how big is your church mm -hmm. and people are in your programs. All of a sudden you go to your attendance is zero. Um, you know, uh, engagement in your programs is zero. So you have to redo and retool everything. Of course, we, we obviously went to online, mm -hmm. but fortunately we were already in process of kind of rethinking how we connect people to the church. And hmm. the conversations really became about um, connectivity, about, and, and I don't mean like, um, am I involved in the church programs? I mean like relational. We, we use the phrase meaningful connections where people are life exchange. People are receiving an offering of themselves to one another. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And also it was, it became about the church being outward facing. Like how are we actually reaching into our city hmm. and um, helping you know, serving and being a part of kind of the redemptive work of what God is mm -hmm. doing in the city. Mm -hmm. Ironically enough, that was a lot of that was kind of the germination of what prompted even the book that we'll mm -hmm. talk about mm -hmm. today. Just mm -hmm. this vision for redemption that just felt like it was lost uh, in what the church was commissioned to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I It's funny, I've been kind of looking at the Great Commission and it says go and make disciples. And I, I think a lot of us have had have emphasized the word go, but the main verb is to make disciples. <clears throat> In yeah. that and so there is certainly um that's a, a core i think of what the church ought to do and is a is something that is prioritized and so yeah can you talk a little about discipleship and then kind of how that overlaps with this great redemptive story i think that yeah God is so I, I love that you're asking these questions um so <clears throat> we know again we our, our church background is you come out of this where you're where you're we, we started in the, in the late 90s so okay. we came out of the Seeker movement, attractional church, all that. And, sure. and our posture was like, we're not a model. We're, we're trying to do what God has asked. I was young. I didn't know anything. Um, you know, I was very, very willing to acknowledge I was trying to figure out. I didn't have some grand vision mm -hmm. to build something. I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to help people walk with God. That was kind of our, our posture. Yeah. Um, whatever happened, we struck a nerve. The, the church grew. And people started asking us, are we like focused on evangelism or discipleship? And I just think that is, I'm like, that is such a, it's such a terrible question because it's like, like Jesus never intended us to, to separate those. In fact, when he said, yeah. go make disciples, he wasn't referring to go make Peter and James and John, you know, more, you know, better at what they were doing or, you know, whoever discipled, you know, Judas, I guess was a bad disciple. Like, like he didn't ever make, it was like, it was always intended to people who weren't yet believers. So to me, discipleship was evangelism is just discipleship pre-conversion. You know, that would be the way I think of it. So it's all discipleship. Hmm. So we began to wrestle with this, and we found out hmm. that a lot of people didn't have clear definitions of discipleship, um, couldn't yeah. articulate it in a sentence. So we just went on a, you know, a tear 
trying to understand and mind, like, what do we mean by discipleship? What does it mean for our church? And how are we going to, you know, not only actively participate, but actually rally our church mm-hmm. around this. Mm-hmm. And I think the fear for me, and I guess I'll speak for myself, was sure. that when you radically orient your church around discipleship, it's going to become ingrown and it's going to become very um, theoretical and theological and heady. You're going to talk about concepts all the time. And what actually happened was when you rearrange your church around discipleship and people get serious about what it means to live in the way of Jesus, you can't help but to turn outward and to serve and to give and to offer. Um, and it's it's been, um, mm-hmm. inc- you know, the, and again, the pandemic probably accelerated mm-hmm. a lot of these things because it just shut all the um, the machine down and we were able to focus on people, connecting people, mobilizing people. And that kind of pushed us um, into a direction that I think has left us healthier. Um, I think there's a, a temperature in our church. And we're probably smaller than we were. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We don't really know because the pandemic still has a lot of effects. We have a, you know, obviously people who watch online and we still have a number right. of people who show up. But the emphasis of our church isn't about how do we grow? How do we attract people? It's, it's literally how do we disciple people and then mobilize people to impact uh, and to bring about redemption um, in the world uh, that God so you know so loved and mm-hmm, still cares mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think there is something in there I wanted to, to dig in. Is this you mentioned this kind of this the, potentially COVID has accelerated some of that or has gotten you yeah. thinking a little bit more, maybe um, giving you a pulse check almost of kind of where things are. And yeah. um, and in, in so in the in your book to be concluded, how to prevent your past from piling up and find hope for your future. First of all, congrats on on the on the book, and um, it's it's super exciting. We're recording; it's coming out just a few days on March fifteenth yep. here. Yeah, thank um, you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And so I know I know one of the things you talk about is seasons, and so um, talk a little bit about maybe where we are right now in the the season that we've been in over these just these past years because it's funny you know we see at our church people just this past sunday who are coming for the first time um and it was like you know we checked in on them but haven't (laughs) haven't seen them and so it is funny yeah you were still kind of getting these ripple effects but just kind of talk a little about you know what this how we understand this season and and maybe the alignment with uh what, what you talk about in the book yeah, so you know, I, we were just talking about this this past week with our church because um, one of the questions, you know, when we started the pandemic, and I think there's actually a chapter. It was so funny writing this, writing the book, and it kind of changed, like you know, it morphed into something more than what I intended, which was which was great for me, and sure. I hope it's great for um, those who read the book. Mm-hmm. But um, it, we were we were you know talking about this pan, the pandemic, and when we started the pandemic, we were actually already slated to do a series called Hope in the Dark um, mm-hmm. right before Easter, and it was really focusing on what would have Saturday been like? You know, we live post-resurrection. We know all the church calendar. That's right. Could you imagine everybody put their hope, you know, these disciples put their stock in, in Jesus and his, his rise to power and, and, you know, the kingdom and all those things that Jesus talked about. And I, right. I, you know, yeah. I can't imagine all that they heard from him talking about this. You know, we have snippets and uh, what's recorded mm-hmm. for us mm-hmm. in the gospels. Mm-hmm. You know, there were conversations that where he's elaborating or talking more. Sure, sure. And there's a picture in their head that they just, they cannot fathom. And so all of a sudden, you know, he's crucified and he's dead. It's Saturday. And you just think that everything you thought was now, everything you thought would be is, is no longer going to be that way. 
And, you know, do we just try to really focus on what that day was? So then, of course, all of a sudden the pandemic hits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we already started talking. I remember when I, when I told our church, and some of it was just trying to talk myself and preparing myself as much as it was trying to prepare our church. And you say things yeah. out loud as a way to kind of talk yourself into it as well. Oh, yeah. And I remember thinking and, and going through this and saying, you know, the tendency is going to be to let's get back to normal. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a huge push that as soon as the pandemic say, well, let's get back to the way things were. And if this is a season that God has us in and he promises not to waste anything, then we've got to embrace this for something other than just something we're supposed to get through to get back to where we were, but rather to endure in this, to understand who we're supposed to become. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we just kind of grabbed onto that. And then as it drug on for six months and 12 months and 18 months, and, you know, we were, we did it perfectly. I don't want to act like we're some poster child for that. We weren't, but we really tried to embrace the season and, Mm -hmm. and learn and say, Lord, what are you, what are you doing? What are you saying? What are you calling out of us? And it's interesting. We reflect on this this past week. And the phrase that we use was what what I feel like is God has been ripening. And I can only speak for our congregation. um, Okay. He's ripening us. And I like that phrase because ripening isn't about depth or some exclusive level of maturity. It just, it's a, it's, it literally means it's the process by which we become ready. Hmm. And, you know, ready for what? Um, I don't know that you actually have to know. You know, if you carry the metaphor of fruit and fruitfulness out, what you get is this idea that, you know, fruit is actually an expression of, of the identity of something, right? Apple tree, an apple comes from an apple tree or an orange comes from an orange. Like it's right. it's a product of identity. So yeah. the fruit that comes out of us needs to be, a, needs to be uh, uh, it needs to be identity bearing fruit it needs to say this is who we are as followers of jesus mm-hmm, but it's mm-hmm. also and, it, and it's beautiful like fruit is a beautiful expression of identity but it's also for the nourishment of others like fruit isn't just so that the tree is beautiful it actually has a purpose that's outward and so hmm. when i think of the season it's, it's hmm. really a sense of readiness for how i think the church people who are followers of jesus actually engage the world in ways and this is not new i don't think it's i don't think it's anything new but it's sort of refreshing or a, re- a refresh for me mm-hmm. that we actually see our posture as mm-hmm. to be about the work of redemption mm-hmm. and renewal and restoration mm-hmm. in real time in a real world. And we're not just waiting to go to heaven when we die, but there's actually a, a work of the kingdom that we are bringing to bear um, right where we are every single day and in every moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. And something as I, I was looking at the kind of how you broke down the book and four main sections from what I was gleaning yeah. in it is so you have, um, you know, you have hope comes in the beginning, endurance yeah. begins, endurance begins, becomes hope, hope finds its footing. Um, yeah. And so I, I thought that was really interesting. Something you met, mentioned earlier, which I think was significant is right post resurrection, you know, we're, we're, we're in light of hope, right? We have our yeah. hope, we know where our hope is. Um, and so I love how you kind of break, break these down. Um, can you talk a little bit about, um, yeah, just kind of the overview of this breakdown, how you kind of decided and maybe just a little a sneak peek, a really a synopsis <laughs> into these four, and then we can kind of dig in a little bit. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because it looks now like it was like organized that way. Uh, it wasn't, it was like, oh, literally yeah. I wrote, I was writing this and I knew that as I, we, we originally talked about um, finishing well, right? Like how right, do you right. conclude a season and allow it to be usable? So it was like this real t- tactical, practical thing. 
And um, you know, we at the at our our church we do um, we we pick words. We pick a my one word every year, which is this. You know, Lord, can you uh, uh, give me a lens through which I can see what you're doing in my life? We pick a That's word, right. and then at the end of the year, and we do this uh, mid year and the end of the year, we provide a personal retreat for people to basically finish their year with their word and prepare to start the next year. Mm-hmm. We've been doing that for years. So this idea of kind of bringing things to a conclusion. So I'm going to write a book about this, and it's going to be about how to do that. So we talked about hope and, mm-hmm. but then as I was writing, I got into this. I'm like, I don't know how to end this book. Like, cause it, it just felt like having some, let's do a personal retreat together. It just did not feel, um, uh, remotely mm-hmm. uh, helpful. I mean, I may be helpful. It just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And of course mm-hmm. the pandemic has already begun and it was the sense of there's a foundation for, mm-hmm. um, our hope that is available to us. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, um, I'll give you a synopsis of the book yeah. and kind of weaving around, but the synopsis of the book is that most of us end up dragging our past into our future yeah. or we end up running from it. Either way it affects us mm-hmm. um, because we don't know we don't understand how finished things become usable things, right. which is actually what redemption is. What most of us expect or believe about God is that he, keeps things from happening to us and that that equates blessings. And when they happen to us, it's suffering. And then we just have to get through that to get back to blessings. And so a lot of our pain, a lot of our struggle, a lot of our insecurities are sort of seen as things that should not have been and sort of Hmm. are less than or outside. And you know, again, I don't want to make any claims like are they outside of God's will or not. You know, I don't, I don't buy that. Um, nor do I think that God just, you know, kind of uh, arbitrarily causes things. But but the reality is, we live in a horribly broken world, and mm-hmm. terrible things happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what redemption is? Redemption is the promise that the terrible things that happen don't have the power to define us, nor do they have the power to stop God's purposes for what He has intended. And so redemption is actually really gritty and it's dirty and it's hard. It requires us to show up and to, and to enter in into our own pain, our own struggles, our own dealing with our past. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some ways, it, it forces us to deal with our own sense of success and where we put our security or our stock in our own success and allow those seasons to come to an end. So those things become usable to what it is that God wants to do in the future. And, you know, in my own dream is that it's like, you know, you because the, the more six and you may know this to the more success you have, the more pressure you feel to hold on to it, the more resistant you you are to change. Because you and, and the pressure is just to keep doing what you're doing, uh, because that's what's got you where you are. And you mm-hmm. stop learning. You know, one of the things I appreciate about your podcast, like I think of the headline, it's it's all about learners. Like, you know, if we're going to grow and become to think that we're going to exhaust everything by the time we're 45 or 55 or even 60, I think is right. very short sighted. So when we grow, we're going to inevitably grow outside of our comfort zone. We're going to grow outside of or beyond what we already um, thought our preconceived ideas. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so what that mm-hmm. led me to was just this idea that, you know, and I'm a, I'm a visionary. Like I'm, I'm all, I love the future. Yeah. Um, but when I began to think, and you know, it comes the kind of the essence of the book comes from Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse eight. Mm-hmm. Solomon says, "Better is the end of a thing than its beginning." And it's a clever little phrase. And what we tend to think is that, well, of course, if something is terrible, the end of it is better because it's behind you. Yeah. And 
really the reason better is the end of a thing uh, than its beginning isn't because you just got through it, because it, but because it actually mattered. It has some um, hmm. some purpose, so, and it's not a jigsaw puzzle. It's like, oh, I see how this thing now fits perfectly in my life. It's actually about revamping the whole box top that we use to measure or to understand God's work in our lives, to keep us dependent upon Him. And the surprise, I guess I wouldn't, you know, tease this. This on the book ends, but the surprise that I that I that, you know as I kind of write in this book, mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. I can put the outline together, I realized the key wasn't to have clear vision for the future and a clear understanding of your past. The key was to understand, Lord, I just need to be faithful in this moment. Mm-hmm. And if I can be faithful in this moment, then then you and, and and what happens is our fear of the future or this you know plague from the past both robs us of what's happening right in front of us and this is actually where our, our hope gets um uh, gets traction and finds its footing is how the book kind of uh, lands on that yeah no that that's that's really interesting and i that kind of the that ecclesiastes co- quote that you mentioned i was reading and i was like and i think you know that there's the the posture i think that we've had and you've named is that we just want to get to the end zone of something or the finish line right. Um, and, and, and oftentimes we don't, um, perhaps really understand the greater significance of how this is, um, you know, we're supposed to be in this season right now. And that there's a lot of things that are to be learned in this season. And I I think, I don't know, I, when I talk to people about their spiritual walks and it's oftentimes the greatest pain that they experience the presence and the closeness of the Lord. So there's, that's something significant in that. Right. And it it deepens our relationship. Um, and, yeah, and every yeah. story, like the thing is, I talk about this in the book, but I use the the story from the Lion King. I'm a huge Disney fan. Yeah, but the Lion King is one of the best to me. One of the best. I love it. It's like you know Mufasa and you know the, I mean all those things. But the reality is, um, you know Mufasa dies, and the story is a story of redemption that includes suffering and it includes pain, it includes hardship, and it includes how somehow that hardship forged and did something such that, you know, in this case, Simba became um, who it was useful to who he was supposed yes. to, who was, yes. who was called to be. And that's kind of a dramatic way, but, but, you know, we, we love those stories, but mm-hmm. yet we kind of resist them. Mm-hmm. Um, because of, of, you know, fear. And, and again, I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to say I want things to be hard because I don't, I don't want any suffering. I don't want suffering in my life. Mm-hmm, 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 but the reality mm-hmm. is, is I, I have the capacity to avoid suffering, um, and to stay distant from suffering. I can turn the channel, um, on the war in Ukraine. I can turn the channel about this. I cannot pay attention to people who yeah. are experiencing homeless in my city um, or in what God has done to me, you know, and I've taught this in our church, you know, when you, when you start wrestling with the Lord and asking to form you, he's going to make you care about things yeah. that yeah. you actually can afford or have the capacity to build protections from caring about them. And that's been really challenging to me. Yes. Um, yes. So there's that, right? It, that that's it's it's that's really interesting because God must be communicating something because I was having a conversation with my mother earlier today, and we were talking and you know we were saying how engaging with something the desires of God's desires you know 
be ideally become your desires if we're walking in 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 Christ and following the way of Jesus and it's funny because right that's our a lot of our response is to avoid ourselves or to separate from that because it's a greater commitment to it and there's emotion there's you know there's a expectation there's promise there's pain there's suffering in the midst of that but if this is where you are right because you can easily as you said thinking about global news or even news in your own neighborhood um, avoid it and sometimes it's easier you know yeah. but it, it might not, not actually be what god desires or what you know of how this or how this the kingdom is breaking in here here and right now and that that to me is the important part is because i think for a long time i thought if i just can if i can live a good life and support causes that are affecting these issues that'll be really good um and that may be a way for a church to be effective in particular ways but the only way the kingdom comes the only way the kingdom is born mm -hmm. or comes to bear mm -hmm. i was wondering comes to bear on the world is by proximity yeah and in relationship <laughs> and mm -hmm. so and, that, and to me what i've tried to learn like what, i think what's been the most freeing thing for me and perhaps mm -hmm. you know it's so funny 20 I'm, i've been at this church you know yeah, for 20 yeah. uh 23 years almost 22 years 22 and a half years and i'm, I'm more excited today about its future than ever before and it's not it's for none of the reasons that I was excited about 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now it's like we we are actually, you know, rolling up our sleeves and, yeah. and we have names and we know people and we have relationships with people in all sorts of different um, circumstances. And right. we're not trying to shield ourselves from them or to pretend or just throw money, but we're trying to get involved. Wow. And what, wow. what the, the hope is though, that God, you know, there, I look at what's happening around the world. It breaks your heart and you feel overwhelmed. Right. And it's easy to go, oh, well, but everything's so bad. You know, what's my little part do? And I think, you know what? My little part is what God has asked me to do. And if I'm faithful in this moment, in this particular scenario, with this particular person, right. then I've got to trust that somehow that's, that's working God's renewal and his restoration of all things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I can't always roadmap or tell you how this action is going to lead to this action. It's going to lead to this action. It's going to solve the problem. I don't think that right. God is interested in solving all of our problems. I think he's interested in us learning how his presence and his peace is actually sufficient because what he's ultimately doing is redeeming and working to bring his kingdom so that when we, when it's all finally done, right. Um, it's, it's a, it's the fulfillment mm -hmm. of what we have been mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. called and privileged to participate yeah. in now. That's so it's just, it's a whole different way of thinking about the gospel. And that's yeah. what, that's what's been so exciting about this whole journey writing the book. Yeah. If you don't mind, I want to just, um, just kind of hold on this thought for a second here. And sure. I, I think maybe for listeners, at least how I've been thinking about this and, you know, thinking in the front lobby with our ushers and greeters on Sunday morning. And, you know, we have some people who come in or look a little bit distraught or maybe a little bit, maybe some anger or something going on. And, for a while, I was thinking, well, let me just kind of let them be or just be nice. And now I'm, you know, some of some some uh, some pastors have encouraged me to actually, you know, walk with that person, talk to them, yep. see see what's going on. Because, and here's the dot connector, right? It's they, they enter into worship, into into you know, hearing the word, and that's going to impact how we're gathering and how we're worshiping the God in spirit and truth and giving Him the glory. And so it's like when you start to connect the dots of yeah, you know, these these things matter, right? Or even yeah. more of a, this is more maybe more of an extreme example. Yeah, I was just the other day, we do a homeless outreach as well. And um, 
and was a gentleman come in, came in the parking lot and looked uh, a little bit dangerous and somebody right. who I won't get into the details, but you know, in hindsight, you look at it and you know, there's different responses. One is you call the police, right? Two is you, um, you tell the person not to come back, you engage and you tell them not to come back or three is you actually invite them in. Um, and you know, I think there's a, <laughs> sometimes a time and place are different ones, but you know, as I was, reflecting I was like you know I and I end up walking away you know and that's often what we do and it's just so deep within us that it's a that's how that's how we engage with others and you know what you did to the least of these you do to me this is often how we engage with God as well and our uh and so so anyways um that's challenging yeah it's oh yeah all of us like that it's and the thing you know that's part of why the going back to normal is such a it's such a dangerous because most, you know, once we come out of the pandemic, and again, who knows what's going to happen, but you know, yep. oh, we can afford to go back to normal because it's, it's accessible to us. Um, but one of the things, you know, even in the, the book, mm-hmm. we talk about the fact that oftentimes, you know, familiar misery um, is better than uncertain hope. Because we just, you know, and the longer you live and the more comfortable you get with whatever your reality is, the less likely we are to want anything to be different you know, okay. change is just yeah. it's hard yep. but it, it it is the it's the result you know the, the result of formation is we we change and mm-hmm. so it's it's just gonna happen and i want it to happen in a direction that's helpful mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. fulfilling and freeing mm-hmm. um and and you know that is i mean we use this i mean we talk yeah. about this a lot at our church but um you know th- when the israelites come out of egypt yeah. it took them no time to go hey well these had three squares you know back in back in egypt right. what have you brought us right. out here to die and it's all that space in the middle that we are just so intolerant of. And, you know, it is those moments where we make a decision to walk away from something or to enter into something. And I'm not suggesting to be reckless by any, any sure, uh, stretch, sure. or maybe I am, but there, there is a way for us to say, this is what I normally do. What if I did this in this moment? Um, what might this change or right. shape? And, and, the, and the, the reason is, I think they're part of the idea of, of bringing things to a sense of conclusion because mm-hmm, we spend so mm-hmm. much time reacting to guilt or regret. Yep. And yep. That's, no, that's no way to live. Um, no. yeah. What you have to do is to say, okay, this is where I will. I mean, even like confession and repentance isn't about guilt. It's, it's about freedom, right? It's about letting him bring all that to a sense of, of close and closure so that we remain and we remain returned to him and not only yeah. to him, but with him, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, following him. I, the metaphor that I use is like breathing, mm-hmm. yeah. um, because it's all we get. We only have enough grace, you know, for the moment and the moment, just like a breath. You can't store up breath for six yeah. hours from now. You're going to have to just trust that someone's going to be enough oxygen yeah. six hours from now to sustain you. But right now, all you can do is you, you yeah. know, take a breath and let it go. And grace comes to us the same way. Um, and it's learning how to live, you know, in that, and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, it, that requires mm-hmm. for us to bring, and that's the idea. The connection is back to, you know, conclusions are essentially these points in time that we find, you know, rest in the whole calendar, from the Sabbath mm-hmm. to all these things are designed for us to live with a start and a conclusion, you know, a beginning. And an end, a, you know, a day and a night. Light, it's, um, it's all everything that we see that God has revealed to us is designed this way, and yet we try to just, you know, our lives are just, you know, the, the opening metaphor is like mm-hmm. it's just a binge, you know, towards the future with everything just pile, you know, stockpile. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I think that's something I've certainly been kind of keen on. And so, yeah, I mean, we look in Genesis, we come to the completion, you know, and God rests on it doesn't work on the seventh day. And so how have you kind of thought about rest and work maybe and in in writing this book or in thinking about, you know, understanding how how we think about, you know, rest or work and Sabbath in terms of completion or finality? Yeah, yeah the, 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 the qualifier would be is that the tendency is to be really legalistic about it, which and I think Jesus like demolished that. If you read you know, the Gospels, the, the, the Sabbath was made for man, not, you know, um, and he's the Lord of the Sabbath, all that. You know, he, he kind of undid that. So, you know, I've wrestled with this for a long time because I work on the Sabbath. I'm a, I'm a pastor. So Sunday mm-hmm, is my mm-hmm, mm-hmm. work. Um Mm-hmm. But what I've found is that, you know, there are a couple of things is Sabbath is about rhythm. It's about trust. You know, rest is about trust. Um, so, hmm. so what I do is I, and I organize mine differently because my rhythms are different. My kids are grown now. Um, so I have different rhythms. I have different things that I, I practice uh, discipline wise. I do take a day. Um, every week that is kind of disconnected. It doesn't mean that I don't read because sometimes I read, sometimes I write, uh, sometimes I surf, or most of them I surf. Sometimes I walk, sometimes I take a nap, you know, um, sometimes I have to take out the trash or clean the house mm-hmm. or all, you know, so, but it, but it is a day that's kind of, a, I mean, there's an awareness that this is a day where I'm, I'm breathing in. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, hmm. um, attentive to my, to those things. And I have pretty, you know, pretty good disciplines during the, during the, the normal week of, of, of waking up mm-hmm. and spending time. And again, I'm, I don't have small kids in my house and all that good right, stuff right. anymore too. So sure. it makes a difference. But, um, but I think one of the interesting things about it is, and we've talked about this, um, as a church that the, the rhythm that's given here, the Hebrew day began at sundown. Mm-hmm. So like when they talk mm-hmm. about this in the, when you read the old, uh, the, the old covenant and read the new Testament, mm-hmm. the Jewish Sabbath begins at sundown, uh, the day before. So if you think about it, what happens is the day begins and you go to bed and then you wake up. So it, the, the pattern, and it's really the pattern in creation. It's, it's you rest and then you rise to participate in what God has done. I mean, the first day that, Adam and Eve show up on the scene. God says, "Hey, I want you to to till, you know, to, to exercise dominion, you know, steward uh-huh. the garden. And by the way, we're taking the first day off." So basically, the first day that they existed, they took off, and and it's because like what you're going to do is you're going to rest, and then you're going to rise to participate in what God is already doing. You went to bed, God was working, and you're waking up to join Him, which actually helps me hmm. because what otherwise what I do is I go. I work, 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 crash. And so rest becomes like recovery from what I've done. Right. And you just get in these terrible cycles of yeah. pressure and, you know, and, and restlessness yeah. rather yeah. than say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to rest and I'm going to wake up to, to join you in what you're already doing um, hmm. in my world and in the world around me. And I got to hmm. trust that my little offering by being faithful to you, not, not by producing things, hmm. Um, but by being faithful to what you've entrusted to me mm-hmm. um, is sufficient for your redemptive purposes for the world because you care you know, more about this than I do. And I'm, I'm learning how to care more, but, but you definitely care more than I do. So I just want to join you and walk with you in that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I'm speak. You know, also echo. Oftentimes, we you know we're doing something, and then we we enter into this Sabbath day or whichever day it is for us. I also Sunday at work as well, and so right. I happen to you know try on Friday or Saturday, and um, and it is it's like you're so t- exhausted from the week, and then you just you're trying to recover, and then you don't even fully recover, and then you're back at it again. So it's just almost like this like slow death, not in a good way either, you know, <laughs> and so. I, I like that that kind of it's, posture. Yeah, go ahead. It, it's, it's also interesting because it's seasons. So, like, what we do is we think that by the time we're like, you know, twenty five or twenty eight or thirty five, whatever the arbitrary date is, sure. we're gonna have our lives, you know, and we're gonna execute this plan. And you know what I learned from having children, you know, it's like as soon as you get used to having like an infant in your house, like you're mm-hmm. finally like, okay, I'm used to like wake up in the middle of the night and we're used to having a you know baby care, baby seats and all that uh infant carriers well then they're like crawling so you have to start moving then as soon as they start crawling you get used to them crawling they start walking and as soon as they start walking you know it's like as soon as you get used to one season it changes right. and and right. that's like our life so we but we don't make much uh we don't make much room for that so we're always frustrated that things aren't like they were hmm. and so we so seasons are able to say hey when my kids are small i had to operate this way when my kids were grown, I had to operate this way. When I was single, I had to operate this way. When I was married, I had to operate this way. When I was at this job or making this amount of money, I had to operate this way. And now that I have this season, I have to operate this way. And it's paying attention to, that's why the these, these ideas of, of beginnings and conclusions. So you say that was a good season, but it's it's over. And it was beautiful and I can celebrate it or it was hard and I can grieve it. But either mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. it's behind me. And now I'm ready to move into this new new season mm-hmm. with sort of that experience and um, that sense of whether it's forgiveness or whether it's, you know, whatever that sense of grace that I received in that to move forward in. And it's in mm-hmm. the, the idea of conclusions, you know, there are mm-hmm. obvious mm-hmm. ones, you know, you graduate from high school, uh, you move, you, you know, whatever it might right. be. Um, but there, but that, those are few and far between. I mean, like, you know, the pandemic's a great example. When's the pandemic going to end? Like, did it end? Has it ended? Is it, you know, we don't know because there's no finish line. So we have to like mm-hmm. draw a point, you know, and sometimes you have to do that in, in midstream. You don't, you know, finish is going to take your, our season's going to be longer than you can hold your breath. You have to come up, pick a point and draw a line and say, this is going to, I'm going to put a bow on this and say, you know, mm-hmm. Lord, can you help me see what you're doing and then re-enter into that mm-hmm. as, a, as a new day, as a new space or whatever that might look like. But it's really important to kind of have this vision for how our lives are organized around these beginning points and particularly ending points. So it doesn't just get drug along into mm-hmm. um, the future. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And, and so one thing I was, 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 as I was reading, right, is grace is sufficient. And so yeah. we think, and that's something I, I, I guess I've been wrestling with is, you know, yeah, I guess I just want to hear a little bit. What do you mean by that? Grace is sufficient, you know, or how do you, how do you, I almost think, you know, it's this conclude this and at the end of the day, grace is sufficient. And so there is this like this ease of burden almost, or like there is this, this release almost and like letting God almost like kind of do what he does in a sense. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I want, I just want to hear a little bit of how you think you've, process it yeah that's because you know grace was always taught of um for me and i'm still learning some of this so i'll be really really careful um, sure but grace was always taught as this thing that god has and if you confess right he gives you grace for that sin so it erases that sin 
Um, and that feels okay, but it feels like my unconfessed sin then yields like the non-existence of grace. Hmm. And grace is bigger than that. Like grace is, um, you know, we talk about it as being this, this, you know, the scripture talks about the manifold grace. It's the gift. It's the, mm-hmm. um, what the sufficiency of his care and his provision for us that comes to us so that every breath is essentially a, 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 a grace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, and, and I talk about this in, a lot in the book is that, you know, we tend to think that God is kind of stingy with it, mm-hmm. but he's not. What we're, we're instructed to live under grace and not under the law. So these two things are set in opposition to each other. Right. I think of it as dependence. The same way, I mean, again, I, you know, we talked this earlier, but I use the metaphor of breath or air because I am wholly dependent Mm-hmm. on breath, on oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't have oxygen, my life is choked out and it takes about, you know, two and a half, three, four, five minutes, whatever it is. And, mm-hmm. but most days I, I don't even think about it. I don't wake up in the morning and go, Oh my gosh, I hope there's enough air. It just, I just breathe all night long, woke up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you put your hands around my neck, right, I'm going to fight you tooth and nail. Um, to try and, and breathe because my, my body's desperate for it. And mm-hmm. grace works mm-hmm. kind of the mm-hmm. same way, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. all around us every moment. Every, and, and so many times we don't, even, we don't even realize that we're living in it, that God's grace is so proficient. Right, right, um, right. And, so, and the reason I contrast is because when I think about grace, it's being able, like I, I, I remember, um, and I, th- I think I included this in the book, but I remember you know, I was talking to this lady and she says, I'm anxious all the time. And I said, are you anxious right now? She says, well, I was until I came to church and then I started talking with you. I was anxious to come up talking to you because I was nervous. Right. But now right. I feel like I'm not anxious anymore. And I said, so and, I, and, and what we had done is we had this moment where he took a big breath and I said, I want you to take a breath and you can you know, the anxiety feeling, I want you to kind of feel it dissipate. Can you feel it? It's like, yes, yes, yes. And I said, now think about 10 minutes from now if that can still be available to you. And it's like complete panic. And it's like, because I don't know that what I'm feeling right now, I'm going to feel in 15 minutes hmm. or 10 minutes. Like, but it, because you, you're now trying to think that you, what you've experienced this moment has to be this way for, and, and instead of trusting that when you need it in the next moment, it will actually be there. And when you need it in the next moment, it will, I mean, imagine trying to live if you didn't know your next breath was available. Yeah. You're going to always be in this sense of, of panic and trying to hold and build the air tanks big enough. You're going to just hold right. on to everything. Mm-hmm. When you recognize that it's going to be sufficient at the moment when it needs to be sufficient, there's going to be a level of freedom that you're going to find to kind of move into those moments. And the same thing is true of grace. Um, mm-hmm. You know, time comes to us in mm-hmm. moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> I think there's this beautiful relationship of time and grace that it comes to us in moments. And so that's all we, we get that grace in that moment. We realize, okay, it was enough. And you talk to anybody who's been through horrible things, and what they'll tell you is that when they when they tell you about God's kind of meeting them in His presence and His grace in those moments, they may have thought they were at the breaking point. They may have thought they could, but somehow, some way, it proved to be enough. And then on the other side of that, you know, they said, "This is how God sustained," or "This is what God mm-hmm. had done," mm-hmm. or "This is how." Um, I sense his grace. So, so grace hmm. is this miraculous um, gift 
that comes to us that no circumstance can right. you know, threaten. I mean, what, and what Jesus said, yeah. right, is that if a seed falls to the ground and it doesn't die, it remains alone. But if it dies, right, it bears much fruit. So the, he uses all these pictures. And I, I, I was writing about this mm-hmm, because, you know, there are things about we try to hold on so tightly to things sometimes that 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 they need to fall to the ground mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. die. Because the yep. gospel yep. fundamentally is the other side of death is resurrection. Yeah. Absolutely. And most of us, we don't experience that because we just don't want certain things to go away. Um, I, I was just taught, we just heard yeah. from a lady today. Yeah. I was at a, a meeting and um, she's a, a sexual abuse survivor mm. and a very prominent one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of the things that she said was, I thought it was just so profound. She said, because people, some of the questions was, well, how did you move forward? She, had, she said, I had to recognize that the person I was before this happened, I was no longer going to be that person. And I had to accept what had happened in order to find, and she, what she said, she said, she said that part of me had to die in order for something new to emerge. Um, and she, she, you know, she talked about how horrible it was, but then she said on the other side of this, there has been a beauty that I, that I could never have suspected right. or imagined. And I think, I think that is what yeah. the resurrection means to us, that these things, these horrible things that we endure or experience, you don't have the last word. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow, even though you would never wish for it on anybody, but somehow on the other side, there is an available beauty and a fruitfulness that comes that, that expresses, you know, that and right. then uh, right. is given for the sake right. of other people. Right. And, and I, yeah. And it, kind of bring it full circle here, like being a disciple, being a, that that's kind of the, the Greek word is a methodes or learner. Right. And so yeah. it's like, Part of that is like opening and well, being curious and being able and willing to change course, right? Or letting things die. And for us, I mean, it's so hard because we we make our own idols or we make our own, you know, our we think we're on the right path. And then we realize as we start to, you know, it's not till years later when we can sometimes see, oh, wow, maybe that wasn't kind of what God had desired. And so, yeah. but his, but yet his, you know, his grace still holds us together. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that in the beginning of the book you mentioned, like how fast we're, you know, we're currently moving right now. It doesn't feel like it, you know, but God is holding the earth together in such a way, <laughs> right? Isn't that amazing? And it's like, because it's, it's by God's grace, you know, and his yeah. favor, unmerited gift, you know? Yeah. Um, That's so good. And I love that. And um, yeah, I just was reading in Matthew six today as well as be anxious for nothing, you know, for the, you know, um, on sowing and reaping and it is like if they're still provided for if the birds are still provided for then how much more does your heavenly father have and it is like that is you know it's just it's all about anxiety casting your anxiety your fear on him because he is holding you up and has brought you yesterday into today as well and so yes so good well, anyways, uh, we'll just wrap up here, and um, just want to kind of know where we can uh, where we can find you, get a copy, and then just if there's anything, maybe you know, any encouragement or anything you want to share about that we didn't cover today as well. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I just I um, the encouragement would be, you know, just be faithful. Like whatever you've done, wherever you wherever you've been, wherever you're, if just in this moment, just say I'm going to be faithful in just this moment. And then perhaps in the next one, you'll find enough grace to be faithful in that one. Before you know it, you're like, okay, things are, like, you, you begin to see things and things unfold. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it really doesn't get any more complex than that. 
Uh, as far as where you can find me, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on Instagram, uh, Mike Ashcraft, and I'm on Twitter as well. Um, if you're on uh, Facebook, it's we have my wife and I have the Mike Julie Ashcraft. Uh, we're like that couple. Oh yeah. Uh, that's where you actually see all. Julie keeps up with that one. So you see all the fun stuff there. And then um, our church website has a lot of our teaching and my teaching. Sure. And you can buy the book um, anywhere books are sold. Mm-hmm. Amazon. Um, I think it's in retailers, uh, Lifeway Publisher. So it's a okay. just a tremendous honor. Yeah. Um, to have a book, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, be printed, and it's a tremendous honor that people would take time. Mm. Um, to read, you know, the words that I've written, but my hope is that um, in them you would find tremendous encouragement and that God would speak to you through them in profound ways. Mm. Amen. Thank you. Yes. To be concluded and how to prevent your past from piling up and find hope for your future. Well, thanks for the message of hope and, um, and, and kind of rooting us in, uh, in, in life now after the resurrection. And so thank you so much for, for sharing, uh, sharing, uh, you know, sharing the book and encouraging us here and, Um, challenging us as well. So thanks so much. Great to be with you. Thank you so much for having me.